Yo, can I be honest? So the reason why I haven't really been up on the podcast game, I keep starting one, but at the same time, I always know that I'm not really interested in interviewing anyone. I really just want it to be a conversation. That is something that I feel strongly about. A lot of people are doing interview podcasts. Matter of fact, a lot of people, especially when it's time to publish a book, will go on multiple podcasts and basically tell the same story or work on the same thing. I'm not about that. I I really think it should be raw. I think it should be conversational. I think it should just be me and you, the listener. And so I've been going back and forth about that. But today, I was talking to another uh, startup founder, and we just got on this topic, and it made me go, wow, I wish that I could bottle that and put it into some type of format. If you... If you aren't up to date, like on our YouTube channel, Knowledge Capital, I do Q&A. That's pretty fun. Also, I write a little bit on my founder newsletter. That's just little quips and things that I think about when I'm on my commute. It's really simple and easy. Then, of course, we have the Knowledge Capital blog. That is something that's more long form. It's 2,000 word articles. It's things like that. That's where our thesis is. But here... He said something, the startup founder that I was talking to today said, you should be, you should be documenting the stuff that we're talking about. And in my head, I thought, oh yeah, I'll just write another blog post. But then I, then I also started considering, I don't want to write a blog post about this. This is not something that's worth my time or paying. We actually, we have a service called Emily, which you just send her voice recording in. And then we have people on the back end that that turn into a blog post and they're really freaking good. So they actually, they're, I use my own service because that's what you should do as a founder. And they actually do good work, but I didn't want to necessarily pay someone to do it. And I didn't want to spend the time to even write the outline and record the voice memo. What I want to do is just talk it out. And so this is the new iteration. I don't know how it's going to go. Um, I wanted to change the name of it to the state of things, but then I realized, hey, maybe I want to do some Q&A sometimes. Maybe I want to uh, do a state of things, which is basically my startup founder view on things that are happening uh, in society, in culture and things like that. I love rap music. I'm a dancer. You know, I like to do a bunch of different things, but I'm also really deep into tech. And so I thought it might be interesting or people might want my perspective of just things that are happening in the world. And so that's just a shift. I don't know how often I want to do this. Typically or theoretically, I could do this every day because it's me just looking at what happened the day before and providing my content, my comment on it because I don't want to do it on a YouTube channel. I think that that uh, kind of played out the reaction videos, but there are not very many people doing Q&A from a business standpoint or a startup standpoint. And so that leads me to what this is. I changed it back from state of things to... Uh, the Knowledge Capital Podcast, because I want to keep that brand going. That's our brand. Our name is called No Cap. And in that, we want to make sure that people know where it comes from. It's actually double entendre. It means no cap as in no glass ceiling, but it also means it's short for Knowledge Capital. And so we have everything that we put out as far as content is concerned is the Knowledge Capital Podcast, the Knowledge Capital YouTube show, the Knowledge Capital blog. So that said, Let's talk about what me and the founder were talking about. So we were just talking about, he asked me, had I ever heard of cloud restaurants? And I said, what? And he said, I just looked at your tweet and your tweet said, hey, what now that Starbucks has delivery, 
what is more likely to happen to preserve the experience of the third space, which is what Starbucks is known for. They either need to have a separate barista team, like right next to the other barista team, and all they do is do delivery orders, or they need to basically build a structure that doesn't actually have anyone. They need to build a Starbucks that has no people in it just baristas and those people are where the delivery and pickups will come from and i feel like in that regard you can still keep the brand of starbucks the third space value of starbucks without actually dumbing down the quality of the drinks because the thing is uber eats typically takes 20 30 minutes and by then you know coffee's cold if you get an iced coffee Oh my gosh, it's watered down. You got a lot of ice blood in it, or that's what I call it when ice melts and it gets into your, your drinks. And, you know, it's just not the same. And so coffee has a really, really quick half-life. And delivering that, especially with Uber, that's tough. And I think that the way that you get past that is by creating this basically own structure where no one actually goes in, but it's a Starbucks location, but it's not on the map. It's just basically their labs. And we saw this a lot when we went overseas for nine months uh, earlier this year, that a lot of places actually do it. You would see a lot of, a lot of bakeries, a lot of uh, gelato shops. They would have the shop that people go to and then around the corner or even uh, on a different block or on a different street, they would have the bakery lab. And the bakery lab is actually where they make everything. And the storefront is where they would transfer from the bakery lab and they would put it in the storefront. So you wouldn't need the space of an entire kitchen behind the storefront. You just need, you know, the space that you need for a little counter and a register and all that stuff. But you don't actually need the, the oven, the refrigerator, the the uh, icing maker, whatever. You don't need all that stuff. And I thought that was pretty unique. That's what I think will have to happen with Starbucks. I just don't, I just can't imagine a world where they would be able to do that because right now the pecking order on on, on order statuses is you have uh, drive-through orders because people are waiting in line, so that makes sense. They have to go out faster. Mobile orders because people, because they're, they're advertising that you get to skip the wait at the line and pick up your order, so that has to be second. And then you have the people who are in, in, in line. And at first, I didn't think that there was a real, um, I didn't think that was a real difference. However, I started noticing something. And so back in August, or actually this past Thanksgiving, my wife, uh, my mother-in-law, and me, we were at Starbucks. And I was, or actually, I think it was my mom. And I was like, okay, you guys get in line, and I'll order on mobile. Start at the same time, we'll see who's out. Wouldn't you know it that my mobile order was finished by the time that they were fifth in line. That's how the pe- that's it's proven that that's how they've ordered their logistics, and that makes sense. So if you add an Uber component, people who you know will be expecting their coffee to be hot, or expect it to not have uh, ice blood all over it, <laughs> or be watered down, you have to put them first. And so that means that it then becomes Uber orders then drive-throughs, then mobile orders, and then people who are actually in the stores. That is what I'm talking about. They, there's no way that you can keep that environment safe. Like that experience is gonna get really damaged and that brand is gonna be really damaged if you use the exact same baristas. 
Another thing that I mentioned was, hey, maybe they can actually, I, I see the point of that because if you can schedule out if you can schedule out when people are going to order, so if people typically order coffee at 9 a.m. for delivery, then you know that you need to staff up on your um, your part-time or your baristas in the morning at 9 a.m. You know, you need more staff then because that's when your orders come through. What I think would be really interesting is because Uber has a scheduling piece that you can do. I don't use Uber Eats, but I know for the Uber driving side, they have a scheduling feature so you can schedule a car to come pick you up the next day or the or a week from now or what have you. And I think that's really interesting because I could see Starbucks releasing a discount for people who always order on time. So let's say that it's an office complex. You have 10 people in your office. If you guys have a daily standing order from Starbucks that always comes at 10 o'clock, I can imagine that Starbucks would give you like a 5% discount for that or a 10% discount um, in order to do that. Because what you're doing is you're allowing them to uh, anticipate logistical nightmares. <laughs> and by doing that and saving that little bit of, you know, that 10%, you're act they would be actually holding their brand promise intact. Because if they're just going to let people order whenever they want and they're going to let people mobile order and they're still going to have drive throughs That's going to be tough. One thing that I thought was really interesting as I was talking to him was thinking about the idea of it, it doesn't make sense for them to do delivery, but in one area it does because they have now, they have now owned that third space. They, and now they have comp. Now they have competition with co-working spaces. The one that I go to in Atlanta is called Switchyards. It's a it's a, a design focus and B2C startup hub. It's awesome, but they have a coffee shop inside of it. So I don't need to go to Starbucks. I think what could happen or what is happening is that they're sensing that they're getting a little bit of, uh, how should I put this, a competition from, from locations like the startup hub I go to. Because now I don't go to, I never really was a Starbucks person but I definitely don't go to Starbucks when my co-working space offers hot coffee for free. Like they have baristas that work there. And so there's no point in me going to Starbucks anymore. I wonder if they're sensing more competition to that and their corporate strategy person was like, hey, look, this is what we can do. We can partner up with Uber. We can build out a coffee space for our you know, baristas to just come into a warehouse and make coffee all day. Awesome. People will come up and deliver it. Uh, that means they don't have to fight with other customers in line. Great. But we also, if we're getting, uh, if we think that there's a, a downturn or an economic uh, recession coming up, like everyone is predicting because it's been 10 or 11 years of, of prosperity. So it's got to come down at some time. That's just how markets work and how economics work. And so maybe we can, instead of opening 500 stores, we can open up 200 and still meet the demand of 500 stores worth of customers. That I can see as a really interesting proposition for Starbucks because they don't, they're not, they're, so if a downturn happens, they're not responsible for 300 more retail locations. All they have to do is scale back their delivery or scale up their delivery, depending on how they want to do it. And that actually makes a little bit more sense of why Starbucks would have done this deal. So anyways, this is what we talked about. And I thought, hey, 
I don't want to write about this. I don't think it's worth a video. I think video should be Q&A. I think that that's just an awesome little place that we're in. And so now I'm recording this podcast. I don't think anyone's going to hear it, but I thought it'd be a really cool commentary on just what I would love to know. I'm curious about where Starbucks came up with this thing, how they're planning to handle logistics and how they're planning to handle the customer experience if you're ordering in person and you're standing in line and not doing drive-through and not doing mobile order. Um, I think that this is just a super interesting thing. I hope that it goes well, but I also secretly hope that it's, you know, what happens, happens. And then, and that if they need to get punched in the mouth, they get punched in the mouth because it'll be a really cool case study. It'll be a really cool thing to study and see, hey, this is where they went right and this is where they went wrong. Because a lot of the times when I'm doing work and trying to figure out how to help other founders and build out our ecosystems uh, throughout no cap, I am looking at how other people did it. And one of those things is the Uber idea, which I'll talk about in the next episode. Because it's pretty interesting, and I think that with our pitch to malls, I think we can build out a restaurant incubator inside of one of our ecosystems. So thank you for joining. If you hear this, this is very long-winded. I wouldn't listen to it on two times speed because I tend to talk fast when I'm really excited. And I think that this was a really exciting concept and thing to discuss. So hope you like it. Peace.